Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through the Lawyerist Lab and Accelerator. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast host. Hi, I'm Laura Briggs. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 309 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, I'm talking with Mary Ellen Stockton about how remote companies can successfully onboard new employees. Today's podcast is brought to you by Knackley, Back Office Betty's, LawPay, and Text Expander. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. So it's a new year which I love because it just feels like a, you know, reset button. And I think this year we could all use a reset button. Yes. And even though some things are not ending with 2020 ending the way we wish we could just say, <laughs> well, that was over with, and that was strictly a 2020 thing. It's still a really good time to step back, recalibrate and do some planning and maybe try to avoid some of those common pitfalls that we all do, like setting New Year's resolutions you don't stick with, setting a really big goal and never breaking down what that looks like in your day-to-day schedule and then feeling like a failure. So let's chat about that. How can we set better goals? Yeah. So I think, I mean, what you just said, right? Like it's so tempting on the first of the year to be like, okay, this year I am going to fill in the blank. And it may be something really big, like increase my revenue by 30% or I don't know lose 15 pounds, whatever, whatever it is, but it's this big idea and it feels like you get started great, but then we know that they quickly fizzle out. Yeah. And sometimes that's really in the way that we scope it or think about it. We're coming fresh off of our fourth quarter leadership team retreat in which we've really pushed our team to be better about how we think about our quarterly projects and how do we define those and break them down so that they feel achievable or so that it's not just this big thing that you're kind of rushing towards at the end of the quarter and trying to feel like you just, you know, completed it for the sake of completing it. So scoping things out is really important. Is there a sense of how you scope things out to where it's not like getting into the minutia, but making sure that you've thought about what a real milestone could look like? Yeah. I mean, I think first, if you're thinking in terms of annual goals, those are great to have, but then you need to break that down. So our team, we function in quarterly goals, right? We are, we're looking at it every 90 days. Some of our labsters, we've been experimenting with this recently. We may have talked about this already. You know, we've been having them break down things into six-week sprints because that feels even a little bit more attainable. Like, okay, I can handle doing this for the next six weeks and then maybe taking two weeks off as like a breather and then kind of gearing up to do another six weeks. So I think first, take that big idea and break it down into chunks that can be handled over a shorter period of time. I love that so much because... I, this is something I struggle with. So every time that I get a big project, I mean, I used to be the person who would put the stuff on my to-do list that would just be like 
ridiculous, like write dissertation or something silly. And then you're just like, well, I'm never going to do that because it's way too big of a task. And so breaking it down for me really helped. I even tried to map things that I wanted to complete by certain weeks. Like, does this goal feel achievable? What if I were to take a week off, go on vacation in the middle of the quarter? How does this affect my plans? What if some other urgent project or important thing that calls my attention away, how will I be able to flex and adjust to come back to that goal? Because those things inevitably happen, right? And so I think it's a really good exercise to also figure out, have you taken on something that you do not have the time or the ability to take on right now? Is it too big of a thing to realistically accomplish either within a quarter or either within six weeks? I think what you said there is so important and it's that extra step too. Like I know you took your plan and you're like, okay, if I try to do these things each week, like how much time would that realistically take me? Like it's easy to write in your planner, create strategic marketing plans, <laughs> and then have that as like an item you're going to check off in week three of the quarter. Well, yeah, you're laughing because that's never going to work. And that is a huge project. And, and I think also you have to take it in the context of everything else. So I've, I've already started thinking about my Q1 and I realized I have a lot of speaking gigs coming up. Like there's a lot of, you know, online um, conferences and tech shows going to be virtual this year. And they've lined me up to do three different topics, which I'm super excited about, but it would be super easy if I was just doing my goal setting to just map that out and, and not take into account the time it's going to take me to put these talks together, right? Like those are big projects. And so I like when you can assign some times to things like, okay, how much time is it going to take for me to prepare each of those tech show talks and, and making sure I'm mapping that out along with my other work that I need to get done this quarter. Yeah. And you know, the other part of scoping it out that I really love is when you get to look back at that project, once you've done all the brainstorming on road mapping it and go, what are things that someone on my team or a contractor or whatever, who else could help me do some of these things? Because maybe you don't need to do the lifting on the entire project, but that also helps you have that planning mindset as you're doing it of, okay, if I'm going to give the strategic marketing plan in week six to my marketing person to start implementing or to review it, then that affects my plans of how I work backwards from there as well. So remember that you don't always have to do it yourself. You can rely on other people that are on your team. This is why you build a team to help you accomplish things. Um, but you've got to factor in their time and when they might need to see things from you or get a final deliverable to be able to move forward with it. Yeah. Quick tip I'll give everyone as we wrap up here. I used to every week write out my to-do list and then what I had delegated. And if my list was longer than the delegation list, I knew I was doing it wrong. So it was like, okay, what from this list needs to move over? Because I needed to use my team and make sure I was delegating. So I love that. Now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Kim from Knackley and then Stephanie's conversation with Mary Ellen. Hey, y'all. This is Zach, the legal tech advisor at Lawyerist, and I'm here with Kim Mayberry from Knackley. We're talking about document automation and computable documents today. Kim, thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Kim, the term document automation is is thrown around a lot in the legal legal industry, especially the legal tech industry, and it can mean a lot of different things, or it seems like it can mean a lot of different things. Um, so 
For firms that aren't really aware, what is document automation software? Yeah, that's a great question because different people do think of it differently. Even in the software industry, what people think of they're in the document automation space may think of things a little bit differently as well. Mm -hmm. So for us, it really is a matter of how do you collect information from your clients? How do you put that information into a document? You know, whether you have conditional logic, nested logic, um, inserting information, how do you get all that information into a document that works for your client? And that is what, for us, is what document automation software does. It collects the information in a way that guides the user through the process and then prints that out to a Word document. So it, with all of the all the things that are necessary to create a document that matters for your clients. So we're, we're not just talking about, you know, kind of clicking through a form and just filling out the form. We're talking about actually compiling information. You know, Nackley will actually create guided interviews or interviews that will allow you to bring information into this system and then spit out an actual document from there that is, that is yes. um, specific to the situation, um, specific to the circumstance. Right. Really, in the end, you're getting a customized document for your specific client. Right, right. That That's one of the things I've been thinking about lately is that this isn't, you know, this document doesn't necessarily exist anywhere. Um, it's being created as somebody goes through Nackley, and it's just got this intelligent design kind of behind it um, that you guys help people with. Correct. So uh, kind of speaking of that, specifically, what kinds of problems do you see Nackley solving for attorneys? Right. So really comes down to errors in documents that you get, whether you're reusing documents from your previous client, you fat finger something through the process. <laughs> so really getting rid of the errors, version confusion. Mm. A lot of times people will go through and save out all these versions of templates out on their, their drive somewhere, and you're not sure exactly which one's the right one. So mm -hmm. you spend all this time hunting and pecking around and reviewing the document. Oh, is this really the right one? So we really solve that problem as well. Um, and just efficiency. Right. Making sure that you are efficient when you're generating your documents. Really, what we're seeing is we're saving, those that are using our software, are saving 80 to 90% of the time that was taking them previously. And that's in, you know, like you said, finding the right document, creating that document, peace of mind that the document is correct, peace of mind that you don't have he or she in the wrong place or plurals in the wrong place. And th this, you know, at 80 to 90 percent, that that means you don't have to really have a massive um, document creating practice for this to be helpful, for this to, to really save you some time. Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. So e even if we were to start with, you know, let's say a um, an engagement letter, um, you know, somebody starts with with just automating that engagement letter very um, specifically to each client, and they've saved a time on every single client that's come in their door at that point. Yeah. Yep. So with the with attorneys, we know a, a lot of them are are kind of not quick to bring in new technologies. And I'm, I'm sure you see a lot of that. So what reasons do the firms that you work with give for why they're still doing this just basically out of word? 
right? So what we're finding is, is one, they feel like it's an, an expense that they aren't already taking on. And it's an added expense that they're dealing, worried about. Mm -hmm. They're also worried about complexity. But here's the thing is, is that you have expenses happening in your firm every day. Every time you get an error in your document, you now have an expense to go through and fix that error. Every time it takes you longer to create a document, that's an expense that you're incurring because it takes longer to do it. Every time that you give the wrong document out, that's expense. So really, when you look at document automation, the expense is actually relatively cheap compared to what costs you're incurring already in getting these errors and the efficiency that you're losing by not having it. Right. You may not be able to, you know, quantify that specifically, but you, you know, we all know that's there. We all know, you know, that, that our time is worth something, obviously. And so speaking of, of that and, and being able to have the right expenses, you guys are giving a 21 day free trial right now. Uh, is that right? That is correct. So if you go to our website at knackley.io, and click on the free trial, you can go through and start using it. But we've also not only just getting your documents in there, we've already put a couple of documents that we hope that you can start using in your practice. Uh, we've got a W-4 already automated, a W-9. We've got a letter. We've got a client intake. So you could actually put a questionnaire on your website right away and start collecting information from your clients that can go right into your documents. So really trying to make it so that you can see how NACLA is going to perform in your practice and giving you value just by starting up for the free trial so that you have things that you can start using. That's fantastic. Well, and, and going into the new year, you know, people can can jump into there and, and see how it treats them at least for 21 days. And, and hopefully that, uh, you know, they see a lot of value in that. Yep. Kim, again, thank you for being with us, uh, you know, again. And uh, it is knackley.io. They can just go there and click on the, the free trial button and start their free 21 day trial. All right. Great. Hey, Stephanie. It's good to talk with you. This is Mary Ellen Stockton from Work Well Wherever. And I'm also proud to be a Lawyer's Lab coach. Hey, Mary Ellen. It is so awesome to have you back on the podcast. And today I thought we'd tackle some of the issues that you're seeing come up in your lab coaching calls and that we really just see a lot of businesses struggling with right now. We're nine months into this pandemic, I think. I've lost track. Me too. It's Blair's day. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's surprising that, I mean, but there's still people out there struggling with how to do things in a remote environment, which is obviously one of your specialties. So today we thought we'd kind of dig in to an essential thing that has to happen for companies, which is hiring and then onboarding new team members. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about the hiring process. But like, I think you've shared with me before that there were some companies who just stopped hiring because they didn't know how to onboard someone remote. Absolutely. They said, we've hired someone, but now COVID happened. And so we just told them like, we're going to have to wait and you can't wait any longer. So I would say um, with the onboarding process, because one of the big things why onboarding is so important, which is, you know, it starts before hire. And goes, you know, through some people have 30, 60, 90 day plans, but people decide whether or not they're going to stay with your firm or with your company in 30 days. 
So you want to make sure that you made a great impression for their first day and definitely their first like 30 days. And so one of the biggest things that I see is, especially with small firms or businesses, is that the onboarding plan includes the firm owner or, (laughs) you know, the attorney in every step of the onboarding process. Mm. And I try to help them think about, okay, what things need you there and what things don't need you there and how do we build that out? So like a great example would be that there's a lot of software training and tools that go along with remote work and some specifically to law firms. So use those free trainings that come along with Zoom or Microsoft Teams or any of those other things um, as part of their training. Trainings that already exist that the law firm doesn't have to do anything additional to. You could just say, point you to this direction. Yes. Seems right. And always, you know, don't forget to tell about the company history, the core values, the mission, and that can be with a person. And I think that in the first couple of weeks as the firm owner um, or the president, you need to be the one that's touching base with them at the end of the day. So you touch base more often. So there's always a check-in to make sure, have you had a good day? Is there anything that you've missed? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that seems like a really important point that we shouldn't just gloss over because I think one of the, I don't know, concerns, hesitations, especially probably anytime, but especially in remote, like we don't have the benefit of just popping into someone's office at the end of the day and being like, hey, how was your first day? You know, how was the first week going? Like those little interactions that are so natural when we see each other. And it always feels very forced and hard to replicate that in a remote setting. Yes. It absolutely does. But I think, you know, any good plan, that's why I say plan the first two weeks and you share it and you involve, if you have staff, involve other members of your staff, welcome them to clients that you work with so they can get introduced that way. And then you also set in, okay, every day at this time, we're going to check in and talk about what the next, what's the next thing is. So every day they might have a scheduled Zoom call or some kind of video call with the team lead to do that check-in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because you don't, it is so important to build a relationship right from the start and you can't build a relationship without checking in and talking to the person. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, some of that's very important. Just like, how did your first day go? Is there anything I can help you with? And the more often you can do that, then you get to know each other. Yeah. Are there specific questions? Like I like to usually ask people when they first join, like, what did you do today just to have a sense and like what tools or information did you need today that you didn't have? Right. Like maybe, maybe it was a specific piece of, Oh, I didn't have access to this software or turns out you guys asked me to do this thing and I had no idea <laughs> what that was, or I didn't know, you know, whatever. So it could be information. It could be access. It could be a tool. It could be a specific thing. But do you have questions mm-hmm. you like yeah. to ask? Login, email. Yeah. I mean, I think just how, like, I mean, asking, like, how was their first day? Is there anything that we didn't do in any way that we could do it better? Is there anything that you want to know, you know, that came up or want to know more about? And a lot of companies, too, uh, lawyers might even do this when they have people start out, they'll have like a company book or something that they read like that. And you can, I love that idea. Like, you know, a, a book that you really, either you followed their method or you really liked what they said. I mean, and then you could have that as part of their onboarding process. And so then you can ask questions about that. So it's just thinking of different ways that you can connect with them um, often 
in meaningful ways, especially when they're first, you know, when they're first joining. Yeah. One of the things we've done in the past that I think was successful is we schedule remote coffees with everybody on the team because they might work with some people very closely, but how do you introduce them to everyone on your team in a remote setting? I mean, it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's important to make sure you're thinking through those concepts and make and giving them the space to make that happen. Yes, absolutely. And I love that idea. And I've heard of people doing like a, a buddy call, which is similar. So they have somebody that's just their buddy that kind of shows them through. So they might have a check-in with their team lead or, you know, the owner, whoever they're reporting to, but then they also have a buddy that can answer certain questions. So I want to kind of circle a little bit back because where we started is you started talking about training and which things does the team need to do or which things can you already use other out, you know, other resources to do. It seems to me that one of the struggles, probably why one of the things that company was, was struggling with that they said, well, we just can't have this person start is it's hard for us to even imagine or visualize if training normally looks like me sitting down next to you at a computer and showing you something, how do we do that in a remote setting? So what tools do you or tips do you give to people to like, again, when you can't recreate those in-person experiences right now, how can you do something that feels very simple like training? Yes. So I love, 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 and I know that you do too. Loom or some of those other videos where you can record and share screen. I think Soapbox is one of the other ones. So being able to, if it's a certain process, certain ways to log in, you can, you know, record yourself like walking through that. And then I'll also recommend that you make a written process of it. So you've got it in two places. I like adding people's pictures on your team and what they do and what their role is and their information. So, you know, who all works there and what they, what they do, you know, even though you might not know exactly what they do. And, oh, another great thing I've seen people do, especially when it comes to company culture and mission, is just to do a fun, like, you know, like share a video of like some past events and maybe do a little presentation on like, this is how we live out our core values and mission. Any way that you can think for them to get the feel for what it's like to work there. Yeah. And I guess, you know, sometimes we forget it's probably not just the new person that needs some of that training. Like here's an opportunity when we, you know, on vision and values to include the entire team and have that be a reinforcement. I mean, these are things that should be living every day. You should always be talking about them. So I know like once a month, we usually have some kind of focus on one of our values at one of our team trainings. And, and, and we've done it lots of different ways. I don't know. I'm a big fan of games. So whenever you can make things fun, Me too. play a game. It's one of my core values. Yeah. <laughs> fun. <laughs> we had a new product offering come out. And so we created a Jeopardy game around it. And then the team, our team was divided into teams and, and we played an online version of Jeopardy. Like there's, there's programs out there. You can go to these websites and you get to create your own questions and then you can play this game, right? Like someone shares their screen and we were all on a zoom call together. And then we played this game and it, it was a lot of fun. And to me, that's like a, a more fun way to learn. I don't know, more interesting than just same. You know, if you think about, I, I think about that with all the kids, they're an online school now. And so when you think about it, it's like, how boring would it be if they just sat and watched a video, you know, or something and never saw like a real person. So you have to, yeah, come up with games. Like I still remember every song that a teacher taught me about like Greek alphabet or whatever. I remember it. So to help people, you know, know more about it, you try a variety of methods to get them to learn. 
Because some people it's like are more visual or some people learn by doing. And so if you can do, a, you know, or by playing games, if you can do a combination of these things, it can be awesome virtually. Yeah. I mean, if you're hearing this and you're thinking that takes a lot of work, I mean, a little bit, like it takes a little bit of thought, but if it helps your whole team come together and have fun and it doesn't have to be complicated, but anything you can take and turn it into something more interesting is obviously going to be better. So I love that. Yeah. And you're going to continue to use it. Like once you have hired the first person, you've done an onboarding plan, you know, it just looks a little different. It's not necessarily because some things are just going to be firm or company specific, right? So once you do that, it's nothing's lost, right? You can only tweak it or add more things and definitely like make it fun. Love that. So let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk about the culture aspect of the onboarding plan and how we can make this new person feel the love that's easier to do in an in-person setting. Support for today's episode comes from Back Office Betty's, the only virtual receptionist service exclusively dedicated to small law firms that offers a plan with unlimited calls. Their highly specialized service boasts customized call handling, relentlessly friendly team members, and unmatched quality. The Bettys are ready to help you grow your firm, even when you're out of the office. Visit backofficebetties.com lawyerist to try them out for one week free. Use the promo code podcast to receive $150 off your first month. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay, as the ability to accept payments online becomes an increasingly essential part of your practice, LawPay provides your firm with a proven and trusted solution. With LawPay, you receive a simple, secure way to accept client credit cards and e-check payments from anywhere. LawPay understands the unique compliance requirements placed on attorneys, which is why their solution was developed specifically to correctly separate earned and unearned fees and protect IOLTA accounts from any third-party debiting, giving you peace of mind that your transactions are always handled correctly. To learn more or to get started, visit lawpay.com lawyerist today. Get it right every time. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep legal happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current, work faster and smarter, keep the whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language, and share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And Lawyerist Podcast listeners get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com podcast to learn more. All right. So we're back. We've been talking about an onboarding plan. And I guess this was one of those things that we just assumed, but I I think it should, if, if it's not clear to everyone yet, it should be said, you actually have to be intentional and create an onboarding plan. (laughs) Yes. And it is, you know, I get it because people start, right. You start your, your firm and it's you. And then, all right, you get your first hire and it's like, wait a minute, I need to do an operations manual and employee handbook. And what do you mean on board? <laughs> um, but it is so important. And like we talked about, it's something that doesn't go away. Like once you've created these things, um, then it's there and you just add to and review. 
one of the other things that I don't think that I mentioned that I was think is helpful when you're thinking about processes or doing some training, walking through, showing someone how to do something, you can also have your voice recorded and transcribed. And so then it auto populates and it's like 50% of the way there, right? You just tweak it. So if it steps to a process or how they log in or people you want to meet, then if you record your voice doing it and have it transcribed, it's not you having to type every little thing. Yeah. Saves a ton of time. I love that. Um, and so when we think about the goals of an onboarding plan, what are some things that you want to see in an onboard? Like what, what, why are we doing this? What should it accomplish? Yeah, it does go back to that company culture and making people feel welcomed and that you're glad that you're they're there and they're valued. So you mentioned intention and that's, that's huge. If you have someone who comes in and you've emailed them before and you've welcomed to the team, you know, maybe you even do like a virtual breakfast, but they have a specific plan laid out for them and they're meeting different people because we know and pandemic, I think has been even more challenging than ever is that the biggest thing with remote work is isolation. And that was there before for remote workers. So that's the last thing you want. Because when people come to work with you, they are joining, you know, your culture. They have seen something that they liked and the job description and the people they've met. And you want to continue that and make them feel welcome. So it sounds like most people kind of approach onboarding and think, my job with this is to make sure they know how to do their job. And what I hear you saying is, of course, we want them to know how to do the day in, day out of their job and use the tools that we as a firm have. But a bigger, more important piece of the onboarding is assimilating them into your culture and making them feel part of the team and welcome and the love. Yes. And I think that you'll hear a lot of people talk about the importance of rituals in remote teams. And this onboarding process is another, you know, ritual, like maybe you do a certain thing a certain way every time. So maybe it's like this ritual is that your whole company has breakfast to greet the new person and you do it remotely. You know, so when you think about um, rituals as a way to to re reaffirm your culture, like well, onboarding is is one of these, and you can include your rituals in that. When we're thinking about that and the culture, like you know, I know that Laurist has a few rituals and things that you do. Is there some way that you onboard people that join Laurist? Yeah, put me on the spot. Um, I mean. <laughs> Uh, girl, I know you do. I know. I know, but when you think about it in a vacuum, like, oh, I know we do too. What do we do? You send swag in advance, I'm pretty sure. We do have a little bit of swag we send. We do send them a copy of our book if they don't already have it. Um, we're lucky, we're fortunate in that the Small Farm Roadmap, we think does kind of give people a good overview of of, of who we are and, and that people can read that and kind of understand us a little bit um, better. Mm -hmm. We always have the first several weeks planned out. Like I said, we do the virtual coffees. They meet with our CEO to, to learn about the company history. We have a written company history in our operations manual. We actually have, it was real helpful when we had our 10th anniversary. We, we were really thoughtful in capturing that history at that point, which I'm so glad that we did because it's in a written document now because it's easy to forget. And then you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when the company just looked like this, like it was just Sam and Aaron and or then it grew. And then and then what did it look like? And when did we launch the podcast? You know, so we have all these things documented in a in a nice document so we can share that with the new people so they kind of learn that history 
I'm sure we've talked about this before, but like we have a weekly team lunch. And so we usually, um, when someone new joins, it's written into our operations manual too, but we actually have a place where we describe all of our inside jokes or all of our things <laughs> like that we do. <laughs> cause, um, cause we realize like we use Slack and we really love emojis. So that's a thing, right? Like, I mean, I never used as many emojis as I do now. Now that I'm a, a team lawyerist, I, I'm a fan. In fact, we just got a whole new set of them today. Everybody's all excited about using these new emojis. Um, and we have custom emojis that if you use a certain emoji on our team, it means something. Mm -hmm. And there's like a silly backstory that, you know, doesn't make any sense. But even now that we've said it a couple of times, we're like, maybe we should lose this one because it doesn't like <laughs> these people aren't even here anymore that start. I don't know. But some of them, you know, test stand the test of time. And so we want to make sure if you're a new team member and somebody, you know, messages you and gives you this emoji, like you need to know what it means that in our world, it means awesome. <laughs> so yeah. if you get a cash register, it doesn't mean you want their money, exactly. right? No, we have a cash register <laughs> of love um, that Sam created for us once because we were like, we want to give more value than we receive in money from people. And so to symbolize that he created a visual for us. So it's very cute. If anybody ever wants to see it, I'll send you a picture, but it's this cash register with love coming out. Um, so if you do something that adds value, we're like, like you'll get the cash register of love. And it's like, oh, <laughs> Hmm, maybe you should do one if you don't already have it based on your, your cultures, we have, your uh, values. Yeah, that's what we have. So, we have a visual representation for every one of our values, and they're all created as emojis as well. So if you see a team member living out a value, you respond with that emoji. So it's, it is. Perfect. It all ties in. Another thing that I, I think that I know that you guys do that I love is when somebody comes on, um, you have a thing of likes and dislikes maybe. So like I'm there to get to know them a little better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Paige usually puts together like a questionnaire and helps us kind of get to know people. Um, and we capture really weird information, but we try to do it in a way that it doesn't make people feel uncomfortable, but then we like, we like to surprise people yeah. with gifts, for example, like for your birthday but it's like, how could we get a personalized GIF if we didn't know these things? So um, our listeners probably have met Zach now or heard Zach on the podcast. And he loves nachos. I mean, like really loves them. And <laughs> that's why he started working with you guys, right? For Taco Tuesday. Probably. So <laughs> something we had him fill out when he started that he probably forgot he even did he told us about his love of nachos. So on his birthday, we sent him a whole package and he was opening it up like on one of our team calls. So he's like opening it up and he was like a nacho recipe book. Like, Oh my God, this is amazing. like, he was so excited. How did you right? know? Like, how did you know this about me? And you know, we were kind of laughing like, well, you told us in this thing you filled out on day one, but you kind of forgot about it. And now we know how to like surprise and delight you because we know, very interesting things about you. Like we, I think it even asked like, you know, if you could treat yourself, if you had an extra $10 to treat yourself, like what would you do? Or where would you, where do you like to shop? Right? Like if we wanted to get someone a gift card, we want to know where do they go? Like, are they a tea person or a coffee person or whatever? How would they splurge and treat themselves? So, um, I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as, as team leads, like, Oh, we have to know all this stuff about our team. And uh, yes, it is good to learn it, but also, um, you can, 
be sly and do a little questionnaire. Yeah. <laughs> Ask people what they yeah. like. And I, I think, you know, it's just thinking outside the box a little bit, right? It's not, I think, I know you and I have talked about it before. It's like when you're remote, it's not the time to take things away, right? It's the time to look at what you're doing and flip it on its head. So what are we doing and what are people missing out on now? If it's free lunches, if it's, you know, uh, social outlets, give them that, you know, take the time to give them that. Um, and the onboarding is a great place to like lay that out to say, we meet every Tuesday for taco Tuesday. It's a part of who we are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or if they, they would normally have lunch in the office, well, maybe you can send them a gift card to buy lunch. Just thinking of little things and perks that they don't necessarily get when they're in the office that you can make special. Yeah. Such great advice, whether you're remote or not, right? Like just being really intentional with your onboarding plan, making sure that you know what it is you want to accomplish, how you can make this person feel part of the team and know what's expected of them. So one of the things, you know, I'll mention that you challenged me on that was harder than I realized was like, how do we communicate when, like, when do we use Slack? When do we use video? When do you email somebody? Because it's different for each team and having to think through those things was really helpful. And now we have a document that kind of helps spells that out for new people. Cause you might be new on our team and you don't know, Oh, this is the, this is the Slack channel. You love the Slack. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like don't email us because I remember when I first started on this team, I was like, Oh my God, I don't get emails. It was the weirdest thing for a while. (laughs) Cause like now, now you guys, and I mean, I get plenty of emails from the outside world, but when I first started, no one knew I was on the team. And so I would go like a week and not get any emails. Yeah. And that's so common, like that asynchronous communication and remote stuff, right? There always is a Slack or a chat or something. And it does, I know attorneys in particular get enough emails from clients and other other attorneys that it's great to have, you know, be able to communicate with your team just through a chat. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is so great, so valuable for everyone. So if you are bringing on a new team member, do be intentional with this, create a plan, think about the goals for the plan. And then don't forget to really wow those new team members by showing them all the love. So I think these are great tips, Mary Ellen. So great to have you with me today. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks, Steph. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Christopher Eng. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, If you haven't read The Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by their participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.